He didn't call? He's with his friends. What kind of a person doesn't call? Ma, he's a grown-up. He doesn't have to call every five minutes. If he was such a grown-up, why doesn't he get you to an apartment? Aye, don't start. Mom, you're the one who wanted us here. Listen, you're here a month, and sometimes I know he doesn't come home at all. What kind of people are these? Mom, what do you want me to do? Do? What can you do? He's not Jewish. Did you know how these people live? Did you know what they were like? Your father never stayed out all night without calling. Stay out? Daddy never went out at all, Ma. Keep out of it! You don't know how I feel! Feel? How do you feel now? You don't know where he is. You don't know who he's with. He's with his friends! Dad! Will you leave him out of this? He suffered enough. The man hasn't been able to digest a decent meal in six weeks. to death. A married man does not stay out like this. Mom! Don't stay out like this! What's wrong with you? Henry! Shut up! That's not normal. She's right. What's wrong with you, Henry? What kind of person are you? What is the matter with you? What kind of people are they? Podcast The Night Fly with Dave Dubscow. The March 2018 edition. Recording on March 8th, 2018. Coming out on March something. 11th? I don't know. Whatever that Tuesday is after the 8th. The Thursday after uh, the production of Goodfellas. Out of the Village Underground. The Comedy Cellar. A division of the Comedy Cellar. That's why I like to say now when I'm on stage. Welcome to the Village Underground. A division of the Comedy Cellar. Actually, it is the Comedy Cellar, so it's really not Division, but uh, I like to do it kind of like uh, Radio Shack used to do. We're Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Fags. <laughs> How are you? Whoa! Going all the way back to 1980, here's the cars. Rick Kazer, give me some slack. Let's just give me some slack. Yeah, give me Oh, give me some slack. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, run it. Bop, 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 bop. Give me some slack. I think the name of the song is Give Me Some Slack. Give me some slack. Listen to these lyrics. These guys crazy. The seven floors of walk up. The odor musted cracks. And, oh. Well, I hit the... Uh, I hit the, uh, those are the lyrics I was looking at, because I, I nobody ever knows Rick Ocasek lyrics. This guy's out of his mind. How they were successful, I really don't know. The lyrics in that part, which I did incorrectly because I guess I was the first off, the seven floors of walk-up, the odor mustard cracks, and the peeping keyhole introverts with the monkeys on their backs, and the rooftop strung with fraulines, the pestle pinned up cells. I mean, what? who writes like that? How was that guy successful? And he was never heard from again. You know why? Made his money, got out of the business. Did the right thing. That's what I should have done already. I should be out of the business already. But I fucked up. Plus, I didn't have any skills. So there's that. He played the guitar. I mean, this guy did everything right. You know, he looks like a monster, you know, right? Um, but he had an idea he was able to play an instrument he couldn't sing couldn't dance couldn't even move really awkward looking so he wrote all these interesting songs 
and then, uh, you know, just did what he wanted to do and kind of uh, put something together. And then he married a supermodel and got out of the business. He did everything correctly. Made a couple of albums, some classics. And then when he was done, he felt he was done. He felt he'd said it all. He took off. Is it the end of lonely street? Of the aerial can walk. I wanna give me, give me some slack. Yeah, 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 I want some slack. I mean, let's face it. Guy knew how to make a riff. He was the uh, Keith Richards of alt rock. Invented it, really. So uh, so they say, and now he'll be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, that all being said, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, again, taping on a Thursday, because Tuesday the 6th, we had the big show, the God, uh, the Goodfellas. Of course, I talked about it at length. Um, and, um, you know, I thought about playing the show, as I ought to. Of course, I'm going to um, next week. But um, I love, as you know, one of the joys of doing these shows is coming on the next day and throwing everyone under the bus who performs in that show because they all stink. They stink. Actually, this time I was very pleased with everybody except one, and I'm going to call her out. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a girl, and I'm sorry I'm, play- I'm, I'm doing this on Women's Day or whatever that is, but she's got it coming to her. Now... The show went okay. It definitely was not by far my best show. And, uh, you know, I, I think the problem is, and I, I think you'll enjoy it when you hear it. You know, like if you know the movie, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it fully. And the length was perfect. Everything was fine. But, um, you know, I think this isn't like The Godfather. And I think if you don't know the movie, you know how, like, I was always excited when... Um, you know, when I'd invite people to see The Godfather and they hadn't seen The Godfather and they liked it anyway. Or this, you know, idiot that my friend Rebecca bought uh, who hadn't seen Grease. But he enjoyed the show anyway. This was one where if you didn't see the movie, I'm not sure if you enjoyed it anyway. You know what I mean? So you could tell the audience was bad. I mean, Judy Gold was blaming the audience. Uh, but, you know, nobody can blame anybody except I have to blame myself. Now, remember, this time I didn't use a narrator because, you know, the character Henry narrates the film himself. So it was difficult. So I already started writing today the scene you just heard up front with the, what's the matter with you, Henry? You are a horrible person, Henry. I started writing it already because I'm using a narrator. It just did not work the other way. It was confusing. I think that's a problem because if you haven't seen the movie, then you're not, you're getting really confused because at least the narrator it's like when I tell a story about the $6 million man, I know nobody's seen the $6 million man, so I have to describe the entire premise. You know, so you, you need that. You know, if I say, see, the $6 million man, before I tell you this one episode, let me just give you a little backstory on the $6 million man. $6 million man was an astronaut who got into a hor- horrific accident, but uh, this doctor thought, you know, they could rebuild him and make him better, make him kind of a super spy. So they gave him this bionic leg and a bionic arm and an eye. And for some reason, it only cost $6 million, which actually my friend Lee could probably afford. But in the 70s, it seemed like a lot of money. That's when you know you're old. You know, when your $6 million man seemed like a lot of money. I mean, how much would that guy cost now? I guess about a billion. Maybe it's just a couple of hundred million. Because people, don't people have bionic stuff now? Still can't run 90 miles an hour. Or could you? Well, anyway, point is being that, uh, yeah, this time I'm going to write one with a narrator. And quite frankly, uh, I was thinking about not even continuing. So like, you know, you know, it's one of those things like when, when the show isn't as good as the others, I'm like, well, maybe this concept has run its course. Uh, plus, I was very disappointed in the outcome. It filled up later, but... You know, the seller really didn't do me right this time by putting the uh, thing only two weeks in advance. You know, this is a tough sell. It's not like Colin Quinn saying, I'm doing a show. You, you know what I'm saying? And and it was buried beneath this, you know, you got to scroll to it. And if you do it on your phone, you can't scroll. So nobody could find it. Um, it was very disappointing because I really think this could have, like, you know, done better. Uh, but the next one right now is June 12th. And I guess I'm going to do it again. My friend Joe at work convinced me, yeah, do it again. It was great. It was great. People who saw the movie loved it. 
So maybe I'll just finish it. You know, I did episode one, but the, the length was so perfect. I may, maybe I'll just finish it because I think if I do three parts, the third part being, you know, the 70s, the Coke and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure if it's as great as a standalone, whereas we know the second one will have, uh, you know, the classic uh, Joe Pesci and his mom scene, you know, like what? what is it's a painting. You got uh, you got one guy, one dog looking this way, one dog looking this way. The guy's going, ah, what, what, what am I doing? Uh, you know, you got that. You got you got. Uh, Billy Bats, you got the prison scene. So, you know, it's chock full of stuff. And then and then maybe I'll just stop. <laughs> like, maybe I don't have to do the end. Or maybe I can just kind of breeze through it so it's not long. Because I, I really made it the perfect length this time. Everybody was out by like 9.35. That's exactly how long something of a reading should be. Uh, me, you know, I did my little story up front. I told the story about um, going to the movies alone. It didn't do horrible and as i've told you it's very difficult to come up with new material every three months i am not louis ck can you even say that reference anymore and then rachel did a terrific job really terrific job uh doing the comedy up front so maybe we started around 8 20 and then at 9 30 i mean that's perfect an hour and 10 for the whole thing you know and then you know a whole show i mean you know then you're getting your 10 bucks worth seems enough Everybody's home by 10 o'clock. It's beautiful. Now, I got home at 5 in the morning, so there were, I couldn't do the podcast actually yesterday. I had to wait a day because I had to sober up. I mean, it was a mess. But that's the way you're supposed to come home after putting three months of work into a show, stressing out. You know, I can't get anything else done because I'm so obsessed with the, you know, writing these shows is it's difficult and very time-consuming. But no one cares except Carmen Lynch. She cares. She really does care. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I am in love with Carmen Lynch. I really like her. I like her attitude. I like her looks. I like her personality. I like her comedy. She's cool. She's fun. She gets it. She was into it. She's like, what should I wear? Here's what I'm wearing. She, she had comments on the script in the sense like other people's lines. She's like, wait, does this part mean that? I'm like, that's not even your line. She's like, well, I just want it to be good. I mean, that's fantastic. I remember she like fought to be in it. You know, she's like, how can I get involved? You know, just like Judy Gold, who I don't, I, I, I got to say, you know, when I love Judy, I don't think I'd use her again. I don't think I'd use her again. She, she's problematic in the sense of I am not getting the best performance out of her. Uh, she's not reading the script properly. And, I, and she's the only actress out of all of them. She's in Woody Allen films. So I feel like it's it's kind of a disrespect in every way. She just doesn't give a shit. She comes to rehearsals late all the time and then says, like, I had a major problem with her. Like, let, two weeks ago, she said, I can't make rehearsal. My son has a basketball game. And, you know, like in 1977, if I had hired a lesbian, that's never going to come up. I mean, we've, we've put ourselves into a corner here. Like, gay people having kids now. Now they got the same problem. I've told you this before. This is why I'm against gay marriage. Now they got the same thing. You used to be hire gay people. They're not going to have any of these problems. My son's got a basketball game. My son's sick. You're not going to have those problems with gay people. Now they, they're just like everybody else. It's a disaster. So her son's out of basketball. I'm like, well, can, and she's like, what do you want me to do? I have a son. And I'm like, why are you talking like that? Why, why can't you just be like, here's what I think I can do or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you made a commitment to me. So I, yeah, after I calm down a little bit, because you, know, you definitely do not want to mix words with her <laughs> you know i called her because then she's like you can replace me if you want which is why i was like i can't believe you just wrote that what an asshole you know like that, that's a dick move uh and then i said well you know you and i are really only in scenes together so what if i came over and i you know i just worked with you because i always say by not coming to rehearsal it's very disrespectful to the other actors now meanwhile they're comedians so they don't care but if we were with other actors like that girl bethel who you know my, when I practice, I don't do it a certain way, you know, whatever. Actors, you know. Uh, it's very, you know, they get very nervous, um, you know, as do I. And because it's not fair when somebody's not there and you're not bouncing off them. And I don't know how the comics feel. I think they do get a little nervous, but they're used to being on stage and they're used to being in front of a crowd. So it's not a big deal. But, you know, everybody wants to rehearse the right way. So for her not being there, it kind of mixes up the whole performance. But I couldn't replace her. She was, I was looking forward to her performance as Tommy. I mean, that's hilarious. So anyway, her son doesn't make the playoffs, so, you know, it works out. 
And then the day of the show, she's like, yeah, I'm going to be late. My girlfriend's sick. She's in the hospital. I'm like, wait, one excuse after the other from the same person? And then, you know, always, I'm late on the train. I'm late on the train. Now, I've talked to some other people, and they told me she is problematic that way. So, you know, her, she, so why are you putting me in the show? Why are you putting me in the show? Well, now we know why. Uh... You know, I think if she gave a performance uh, that just blew everybody away, it would be different. But it's, I mean, what, why, why? I mean, I, I really obviously like Judy a lot. I think she's really funny and cool, and I've known her a long time. But, I mean, why, why should I deal with these problems? Remember in Greece, she also came late. She was still singing the songs. She didn't know them all at the show. You know, I get whatever she wants to do. You know, I mean, that's her thing. But it is my show it has my name on it if she doesn't come through the only person that suffers is me because they're like well the show was okay and everybody said i mean she did really good the first part the you know how am i funny how my funny was perfect but the second part where we're sitting in the car kind of you know waiting like because she's from the fight then henry i'm trying to bang this you broad it wasn't working because she didn't rehearse it she probably never looked at the script until she got to the place and as you know that just bugs the hell out of me and bothers me because I just think she should she could have been so terrific you know we could have flowed but you know then I mean let alone she gets there late then you know I pay everybody and then she complained about the money and you know she was joking but at that point I'm like I've had it with her and then she's yelling that the rehearsal was going too long which it wasn't it was exactly on time Finished exactly at 7, gives us an hour for food. She goes, I'm hungry now. I mean, who would want to deal with that? I know I'm not Martin Scorsese. I know I'm not Judd Apatow. But that's not very nice. I'm doing the best I can. There's no reason to do I mean, I know that's what she does, and it's hilarious. But, you know, I'm very uptight about the show. I'm thinking of all the things. Do I have all the props? Do I have all the people? Is the music correct? There's a lot of people involved. I just paid a lot of money. I hope people show up to, so I can at least make it back. Um, uh, mm, really bugged me. Really bugged me. But I got to say that everybody else did an outstanding job. I mean, really, Irene Bremis playing the mothers and all that stuff. She did great this time when she was playing this uh, Joe Pesci's date at the restaurant. I think she did a really good job as... You know, being a little uh, sexy, a little Jewy. I've mean, I told her she she looks too pretty to play them. I keep casting her as the mother. For some reason, that's the gag. That's funny for me. Uh, but she always looks so pretty that sometimes it doesn't work. But she did a great job this time. She didn't have that much to do, but she really did a great job. I was very happy with her. I'm proud of her. Because I remember, remember, she didn't do that good a job. Not her fault so much when she was playing Lucy Mancini and the Godfather thing with the her and the Sunny bit because she just looked too pretty and we were making ugly jokes. So it wasn't working. Not her fault. And yet, it is her fault because she's dressing up too nice. But she looked great. Rachel looked terrific, too. Can you say that these days? Am I in trouble now? Am I considered sexist? Mike Bichetti, I gave him too much to do. I knew it. I knew it, too, because of the sunny. There was too much to say. He needs to come in and out. But he still did a great job. Oh, my God. And when, the, when we hit him over the head with the breakaway bottle, let me tell you the story about the breakaway bottle. I went online to this stupid company. I'm going to tell you their name. I think I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, NewRuleFX.com. I went online. And we live in, I live in Manhattan, so I can get a breakaway bottle anywhere I want. But I, was going, I always go to this place. And I've been getting it for years there, since high school, for little Super 8 movies. been getting breakaway bottles at this place called Abracadabra for years on 21st Street. Uh, so this time, I'm like, well, now in this day and age, I probably can get a cheaper one somewhere because Abracadabra is like 40 bucks. Or 50 bucks for a wine breakaway bottle. 50 bucks a bottle. You know, that's a lot. So I figured I'll go online and I found one for 20 bucks at this place, newrulefx.com, whatever it's called. No, actually, I want to remember the name because I want you to know never go to them. Newrulefx.com. I talked to this woman because they, I'm not sure. I was like, tell me what the shipping is. I need it by March. I said February 23rd. I know because the guy looked at the computer, said February 23rd. Like, yeah, we can get it there by the Friday before. I'm like, that's terrific. That gives me a Saturday and Monday in case you guys fuck up. This woman said so. It's not there Friday. It's not there Saturday. Monday, I finally call the place. And I'm like, what the fuck? And they're like, oh, that never shipped. And I'm like, what do you mean it never shipped? This girl swore up and down. The guy's like, yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to fire her. She's horrible. I mean, at least the guy gave me what I wanted to hear. But I was furious. I mean, obviously furious. 
but not completely panic because I know I can buy one. Now it's going to cost me more. They refunded my money. And then this girl called. I can't wait to talk to her, but I've been so angry about it. I just had to relax a little bit first. I'll call her tomorrow and be like, what is your problem? You like the worst, but you know, it's like horrible. Like, you know, you when you scream at people like, this is a horrible way to do business. When meanwhile, you know, you can't do anything about it. You can tell them, you can tell them they don't care. Like, I want to destroy them somehow. That is so uncool. She's like, if you pay me PayPal right now, I'll ship it out right away. I'll make sure it gets there. And then it's just like, I'm back order. Nobody says anything. Nobody calls. They know when I need. I mean, that's so uncool. And what's easier in this day and age to just send somebody an email? And I emailed them. I'm like, where's my stuff? They don't send anything back. Seriously, who does run a business like that? How do they stay afloat? They must have movie companies, but I'll write to these movie companies and tell them that they're bad. Why not take a shot, right? Why not try and bring them down because they dissed me? Why not? That's the power of, thank God, be still being a white male in this country. We still have a little bit of power left. The power of the pen. You write an actual letter. No emails. Old school. <laughs> I'll take them down all right. But uh, so anyway... I'm like, all right, now I got to get Abracadabra. How am I going to get to Abracadabra? I work until 9 o'clock on Monday. They close at 7 o'clock. Uh, do I mind picking up a messenger? So I remember, it's a breakaway bottle. So getting a messenger to do, you know, I mean, it's so fragile. How am I going to get him to pay for it? I don't know. Yeah, how am I going to work this out? And lo and behold, that Sophia Samrad, you know, the super hot girl we had here before we did Love Actually, who was in Love Actually with the British girls and my birthday. I got to say, I mean, for somebody so sexy, and so hot <laughs> to be so nice. I mean, she's been nothing but a really great friend. I mean, she really could be the best friend I've ever had. I've never seen somebody this hot be so wonderful in my life. Like, you know, even my birthday, I'm like, hey, can you and two of your model friends come out? Yeah, no, no problem. And can you do the announcement? Yeah, no problem. And then and remember, like, what we do with the football show. She's like, do you need sponsors? I know this coffee guy can do it, and I can give out free stuff. I mean, she's great. I got to do something nice for her. Because listen to what she did. She, she was texting me. She goes, I'll see you tomorrow. And she just asked for a couple of comps. You know, big deal. That was before she even did me this favor. And it's my pleasure to do it because she's been nothing but a good friend. So she, um, so she, I go, hey, um, don't you live around the 20s or something? Like, do you have any time today to pick up something for you? She's like, yeah, what do you need? I'm like, well, it's this thing. I'm, you know, if I Venmo you the money, if I Venmo you the money, do you think you can do it? Yeah, no problem. I'm like, really? You don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. I can get there at six. Uh, and th- and then she's like, because then I was like, if you could just pick it up and then you can just bring it to the seller when you come. She's like, fine. She goes, actually, and then she texts me back 15 minutes later, said, you know, by the way, I'm having dinner down there, but you want me to just drop it off the seller on my way? I'm like, Jesus Christ, that would be unbelievable. Because then there's going to be, you know, going to have it ready to go and not only did she do it i mean (laughs) by the time uh, like she did it early because she said she was going to get there at six the place closed at seven maybe i I wasn't nervous at all because i know she's completely trustworthy and not an idiot and uh, i mean by 5 30 she sent me a text like yeah i dropped it off at the cellar already it's done don't worry about it (sighs) it was amazing i mean by the time i got to the cellar it was all there was everything was ready i mean it was it was unbelievable what a great person. I mean, she got me out of this jam. So anyway, the breakaway bottle was classic and quite frankly, worth $50. You know, like stuff sometimes you're like, eh, yeah, we took a chance. It was totally worth it. When we broke the bottle over Machete's head, the audience was stunned. I don't think they expected it. I, I kept the breakaway bottle behind something. Gave it to Judy, smacked him over the head. It made this amazing pop sound, which I think will be picked up. I haven't heard the video, the audio yet. And, it, and the audience was still like, it went a little bit into the audience, but it's just sugar. Nobody seemed to complain. I apologize later, but boy, it was, it was great. The sound it made, the audience, it, it's more like not laughs. They were like, oh. I mean, that's exciting. So that was totally worth it. And then Machete came out with this big band. It's like on Saturday, I walked around. I found all the props, and I found all the stuff I needed. It was great. This big bloody brand. It's in the Halloween shop. I mean, that Halloween shop is worth its weight in gold when, for these kind of things, you know. I got to say, living in Manhattan, it sure is easy to put on a show here. You know, I mean, I know the internet is great, and you can pretty much do anything these days, but, boy, it sure, I mean, you, if, if you can't find anything here, 
You know, I don't know. It's like, remember when I, when I was looking for the Godfather? I was looking for that white confetti that they're handing out, that Al Pacino and, the, and his Apollonia are handing out at the thing. I'm like, where am I going to get that? I thought I could get it online. But I'm like, and it was so expensive. And I'm like, but this is ridiculous. I live in Manhattan. It's impossible that I can't find it here. And of course, I went to some place in Little Italy and I found it. And then Mike Machete with the wig as Maury was really funny too. He, he needs the little parts. I knew that, but I didn't want to play Sonny because I just thought it was funny to put him his head in a pizza oven, break the bottle over his head, and then pistol whip him. I mean, then you have the hat trick, and that's funny. Um, William Stevenson was terrific. It's the best performance he's ever done. He was great as Tootie. He was terrific. I... I you know, I mean, really, really great. And sometimes, you know, he just is William, and I write for William. But um, boy, he was really, really terrific. Mateo was problematic for a little bit, but he's never problematic. But he got sick. He travels too much. He ate some bad octopus in Spain. I mean, how about this guy, right? And then he had an allergic reaction. He's like, oh, be okay. But, he, you know, I knew he was going to still make it. But then I couldn't drop the script off to him. That drives me crazy. But I know he can do it, but I still sometimes... You know, it's beautiful, and I love working with him, and he sings so well, and everybody loves him. But sometimes I'd like him to go over the script a little more, you know. But he's got other stuff to do. He's going to be a big star, and uh, I should just be grateful that he's always amenable to do the shows. But he loves doing them, and we always give him singing parts, and why wouldn't we? So we had him do the Tony Bennett Rags to Riches, and everybody loved it, and then he sings Bobby Vinton. I mean, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And quite frankly, me and him should do a musical show, even though people are going to be angry at the comedy side because it's not comedy. Jerks. But what am I kidding? I should totally do that. I should totally do... There's there's the Vegas show. I should totally do that. Me and Mateo. And that's the way I can make some extra money. Well, there it is then. So we'll sing and we'll do comedy. Why not? All right. It's done. You'll never go from rags to riches. Actually, what I'm going to do is... Um, I'm going to... You know, we'll open the show and then I'll sing this. Party guy, yes, give me some slack. People will be like, what the fuck? Where's the prop guy? Bring him back. So, um, right, so, uh, Mateo, uh, Joe Mackey was terrific. I, you know, remember, he was kind of my um, wild card in a sense I'd never worked with him before. I mean, I know him, but I wasn't sure. You know, I'm always worried. I mean, can people read off a piece of paper? It's that difficult because, like, Judy was reading it, but she wasn't reading it. But Joe Mackey was so funny. His voice was so... Remember, I wanted him to play Henry at first, uh, the Tommy at first, but then I thought of Judy, and I'm like, that's funnier. So he would have been a funny Tommy because his voice is very high-pitched. He's very young, so he was a perfect young Henry. Just the way he was reading off the script, it's like not acting, but he's funny anyway. He was great, and I even wrote him the next day. I'm like, dude... Be in everything I do. You're, you know, my new, I need you to be a Joe Scout regular from now on if you want to be. And he was a joy and a pleasure to work with. Mike Vecchione was terrific. I mean, really great. He, he was the only guy that actually looked like he'd seen the movie. He was doing all the Pauly parts perfectly. I was very, very impressed with Mike. I hadn't uh, done any acting work with him before. Obviously, you, you know, I like him a lot. I've seen, I like his comedy. But, you know, you're never sure with comedians if they can act if they can read off a piece of paper i mean it really is that simple and and get the nuances and he was doing paulie really great and he was a pleasure too and carmen lynch i gotta say i mean just she is just an absolute joy i there's i love working with her and i think she did a really good job and i i gotta i just like it's so funny i'm so attracted to her i don't know i don't know why i just Thinking like it's exciting playing her boyfriend in the show. I mean, that's how ridiculous I am. I feel like a closeness to her. Uh, I enjoy taking her hand and walking around the, uh, the the theater and everything. She's just easy. I don't know. She's uh, and she did a good job. She seemed, she, you know, she watched the movie. She she prepared. She she was costumed. She's a very nice girl. And uh, you know, and then you know, we found, we got it. So the. Uh, the manager, Dave, could put chairs on the uh, on the stage, you know, while we were walking around. So it looks like we were there. But then, you know, Memo messed up. Memo messed up all the recordings, the sound effects. This guy thinks he's so great. He goes, no, I was waiting for them to do their lines. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you're waiting for Mike Machete to do his line? Are you out of your mind? 
Just hit the sound effect. Mike Vincetti doesn't know what day it is. And uh, so, I mean, you know, it was I mean, everybody really did a great job. I mean, Judy did a good job. It just wasn't the best job. And that's what bothered me because I wanted her to be the best. And um, I just, you know, I just, I guess I just wish, you know, if, if she wasn't her, I would say, hey, let's try this scene again. Maybe I'd stop her and say, hey, let's do it this way. But she's so difficult. Um, you know, it's problematic. So, and then she, afterwards, she's like, "You're, you're probably not going to use me again." I'm like, hey, "I mean, I want to, but it, it, she would have to understand. I mean, the complications of, of the beforehands, and this is not the first time this has happened. So, it's confusing. You know, like when with Greece, because she was so late, she took up other people's rehearsal time because no one was transposing the song. All the stuff that could have been done days before and and so that's two in a row that where it's just easier to work with somebody else you know i mean it's a shame she's gonna hate me forever maybe maybe she'll understand i don't know probably not but i mean i I mean i'll talk to her but i'll just be like listen how can i possibly you must understand how difficult you made my life um but she probably doesn't that's what makes her kind of hilarious so so anyway saturday you know, it's my walk around day, which I just found out the day June 12th is the next show. And June 9th, you know, I'm going to be at the track, Mammoth Racetrack. Uh, that's a Saturday. That's my walk around day. That's my favorite day, the walk around day. I drop off all the scripts. Now, meanwhile, I, drop it off, I dropped off all the scripts like on that Tuesday when I went to Tom Papa's show. So I was all free, except for Judy Gold, of course, and uh, Mike Vecchione because they just weren't going to be at the cellar. No big deal. So Saturday's my walk around day. So, unfortunately, uh, Mike lives in Astoria, and Judy lives in the 90s, like in Manhattan on Broadway. So I do, But I don't care because I enjoy the, the, the walking around or whatever. And I, I was like, I could take my car, but no, the fun is just the adventure. I put on my backpack, and I set out on the Saturday before the show and, you know, see people and, you know, do whatever, right? This is my ritual, which I'm upset about. I'm not thinking about changing the date of the show because I can't miss June 9th. June 9th. So I I have breakfast at the diner. I was very excited. I coffeeed up, which was dangerous because then, you know, I'm going to have to pee. And uh, take the train to Astoria. Mike, it's so funny. You know, I used to live in Astoria. I hate Astoria. So being back there just makes me sick. Uh, but going to Mike Vecchio's house, it's so funny. He, like, lives right under the railroad tracks. It was so fun. I'm like, really? This is where you live? Uh, it's just so funny. I mean, he lives right by the subway stop, which is nice, but um, his place was great. Uh, but it was fun, and it was nice to see. You know, I like seeing people the day before the show or something. You know, it's kind of fun to see everybody just before the big day. And we just, you know, I stay for like five minutes in people's places and then leave. Just talk to them a little bit. I don't think anybody minds. Drop off the script personally, talk about some stuff, you know. Then he's like, are you going to throw me under the bus the next day? I'm like, maybe. I mean, if you stink. But fortunately, I didn't have to. So um, then I was I had to go back to Manhattan. Now, Judy has a, like a, a doorman that only comes in at five o'clock. So I got to time it perfectly. But it was, you know, I don't want to hide other stuff I had to do. So I'm like, but thank God she she's like, if I'm not home, I'll be at the diner like at two o'clock, whatever. So thank God. So I city biked from Queens to 90th and Broadway. And it was the windiest day of the year. So when I was going, and I'm, I'm not in shape yet for city biking. It's a big journey. I, I didn't count the miles. You got to go over the Queensboro Bridge. I couldn't make it up because it was too windy, so I had to walk the bike up. And then when I was going to go down, I'm like, well, at least now I'll rest. I'll go down. You know, The wind stopped me, stopped me cold, going downhill. So I do that, and then I have to dock the bike for a second because you, know, you, gotta, you only get 45 minutes. But now they've got this new thing where you got to wait two minutes. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. You're ruining my mojo or whatever it is. Um, and then I go up, and then I go through the park, and then I finally make it. And I'm like, oh, my God, that was too much. That was too Because the wind was killer. That was just making it more, you know, difficult. That's a long journey for when you're not used to, you know, it's been all winter. I haven't ridden the bike. But it was stupid. It was so fun, you know, whatever. I uh, meet her at the diner, go back to her place, Judy Gold's. 
I was dying to see it. You know, you're dying to see where people live. You know what I mean? And I always thought it was just Manhattan, but no, I'm dying to see where everybody lives. Don't you want to always see everybody's apartment? Uh, or like, you know, where? I, like, I wanted to know where. Where does where does Mike Ficchione go when he goes home? You know, like, where does somebody like David Tell live? You know, you know what I mean? It's fascinating. So where does somebody as angry as Judy Gold live? As soon as we got it, she goes, "I hate this apartment." And she's lived there like 30 years, you know, and she's like, it sucks, doesn't it? Like, she's just so angry. So I go to the bathroom, obviously, because, you know, I had all the coffee and everything. And, and then uh, there's duty on the toilet, and she's got a 16-year-old son who's like eight feet tall, and there's duty in the toilet. So I come out and I go, hey, I did not put that duty on the toilet. And she starts screaming at her son, He's like, what? Did you leave shit on the toilet? Like screaming. I'm like, so I'm like, don't yell it now. I'm embarrassed. I told on him. And she's like, no, it's embarrassing. Ben. He's like, sorry. It is kind of weird. I I don't. Maybe I did do that as a kid. Boys are disgusting. They're just they're just disgusting. I used to use a plunger all the time. So if you didn't have one, but I mean, in my own home, I think I would always try and wipe up. But I don't know what he was eating. But uh, it was gross, uh, but uh, it was just even worse when she was just screaming. So then um, I left and I took the subway downtown to go to the West Village to stop at my bar uh, just because, you know, to have a drink or something. Was I trying to get something in the West Village? No, I think I was just going to stop at the bar and then I was going to walk to this party store that I always pass at nighttime when I'm walking home from the Comedy Cellar on 8th Street to get props. And they had, they had exactly what I needed. They had this big giant cross. You know, I had a list of stuff. Uh, but they didn't have this head bandage that I wanted to get. So I went to CVS and I bought some bandages. But then I was going all the way to the East Village. And I said, oh, I'll stop in the Halloween store. And oh, my God, they got everything. So then I was able to get everything I needed. It was beautiful. I mean, it was such a, a great feeling of accomplishment of the day, you know. And then I took the bus home. And then I got home, like, I guess around 7. And I saw my neighbor, Michelle. Now, Michelle's dad just died. So she's like, hey, can we watch movies in your house or something? I'm like, no, watch it in your own house. Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, sure, absolutely. You know, with that, though, what are you going to do? So, you know, I've been watching all the movies. So uh, we, just, we were deciding between Call Me By Your Name and The Post. And I'm like, well, she's like, let's watch Call Me By Your Name. And, you know, Scotty's like, oh, call me by Everybody's like, call me by your name is great. Call me by your name is great. And I'm like, well, it can't be that gay. Folks, it's that gay. It's that gay. I don't know what I was thinking that it wasn't. I get this is the reason I never could never watch Brokeback Mountain. You know, I got a lot of gay friends. I really don't care. I just don't want to see it. it. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not mature enough. Uh, boys kissing it doesn't work for me at all. It, it turns out I'm not as gay as one would think. Uh, because really, I just should have no problem with it, but I, I do. And not, uh, you know, in the universe or the sense of just just doesn't work for me. You know, it's like, like, I don't think I'd even want to, I don't even like seeing two girls kissing in a movie. I only want to see that in porn. You know, when I see two girls kissing, I want to, this, I want to take care of business. I don't want to see romantic kissing. You know, I want to see porn, sexy, this stuff doesn't happen in real life kissing. You know what I'm saying? So this movie is just gay. I mean, I would have turned it off if I was by myself. And Michelle was like, this is too much for me, too, but I want to see how it ends. And I was just, you know, I mean, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? I'm like, all right. I, I mean, I, I was watching Heaven with my, uh, my sweater pulled over my eyes. Like, it looked like Mort from Bazooka Joe. Um, uh, but we can't, I definitely would have turned it off. I would have turned it off. I'm like, I can't. This isn't for me. Um, which is fine. But we watched the whole thing. Oh, boy. I mean, listen. I will sit here and talk about chess and Dear Evan Hansen until the cows come home. And that, I mean, I know how gay it sounds and I don't care. (laughs) But that movie was not for me. No, it was not. uh, They're like, whoa, don't you think it'll be beautiful? I heard it shot beautifully. I'm like, whatever. Oh, God, you know, and then the, the Academy is so two-faced, so two-faced that they nominate a movie. You know, what, you know, I don't care if it's gay or whatever, but I'm just saying, you know, it's a man seducing a, a boy that's underage. So, or actually the boy seduces him, whatever the case may be. 
you know, it's the same thing as giving Kobe Bryant an Oscar. The guy already was not convicted of rape, as I said in the Jim and Sam show. Uh, but, you know, they had a trial. Something happened, and then they settled it. I mean, what's the difference? If you're going to blame Woody Allen when there's no evidence for him touching his daughter somehow, then and, and then you're going to get angry. I'm not doing any more Woody Allen films. Well, Kobe allegedly raped somebody, and there's there's kind of evidence, and there was a trial, and it wasn't like he was, they settled. He wasn't not guilty, and they gave him an Oscar. An Oscar this year during the Me Too movement. What's more two-faced than that? And and then here's their movie about a guy who's kind of abusing his his, his power in a way with this young boy and you know because he's cool or whatever and, and 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 they're like oh my god it's great. People are insane. And thank God this woman in the post I love this woman Maureen Callahan she's like because she's like everybody let's step back a little bit you know like I'm a woman I appreciate the Me Too movement Harvey Weinstein's a monster but we just gave Kobe Bryant let's see what she says right here it's um. Here it is. To mark the first post-Weinstein Academy Awards, Hollywood gave a credibly accused rapist an Oscar. Kobe Bryant was roundly applauded upon winning Best Animated Short for Deer Basketball, essentially a valentine to himself. He thanked his wife, Vanessa, who stood by him as he was criminally charged with raping a 19-year-old girl in 2003. Really, should we be surprised this was an Oscar telecast hyped to be like no other reflective of the Me Too and Time's Up movement, yet it was just another exercise in image rehab. I mean, absolutely classic. The fucking two-faced shit that they pull. That's why I only watch in the Oscars because I am gambling on it. Otherwise, I cannot watch these award shows and many and the, the ratings were down, just like in football, because normal folks like you and me are sick of the political statements. We're sick of the elite and privilege telling us their views. Nobody wants to hear it. The only views you want to hear are from normal people. I guess. Now, maybe that's a stupid statement too. But whatever the case may be, nobody wants to hear that at the Oscars. You just want to see, just give your award. Don't, don't give any shit. God, I'll never forget in, in the 80s when Kim Bassinger started getting up and, and talking about how great uh, Do the Right Thing was. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Bassinger. You fucking... Kim Bassinger won a Best Actress Award. She's horrible. Horrible. So, I mean, if we look at it like that, we know the Academy stinks. But, you know, uh, look, there's money to be won. And I won some. I think I have what I bet here. Yeah. First of all, I was down a lot of money, so I didn't end up winning anything. I just won it all back. Because I was gambling all week to try and, like, get a base so I could bet a lot. Uh, But that completely backfired because I'm an idiot. And there's just no other explanation. I'm dumb. I'm a degenerate. And I got a problem. But on Sunday afternoon, I ended up winning a little bit of it back with this ridiculous three-team parlay. <laughs> it's like sick. It was, it was like William and Mary, Toledo. I mean, it was so stupid, but I wanted to win some more so I could put more money on best original screenplay, Get Out, because when I first put money on Get Out, I have it all here, but it's in small writing and my eyes are going on me. Uh, I had Get Out at plus 120. So putting 100, you win plus 120. But by Sunday night, I put more money on it, and by then it was minus 170. So I had to put up $170 to win 100. That's how much it changed during the week. So I ended up winning 200 on that because I was pretty positive that was going to win. I, you know, I, If I hadn't been an idiot all week, I would have put more money on it at the beginning of the week. I was pretty sure. So I put a little money on Willem Dafoe to win Best Supporting Actor, just in case, 20 bucks, because it would have paid, uh, it was plus 500. So it would have paid a lot. I won, as I told you a couple weeks before, Best Documentary Feature. I picked that Icarus. It was plus 350. So on a $20 bet, I won 70 bucks. The sound mixing I put on Baby Driver, because I was really thinking maybe it would happen. I was reading more about it. I put, I put 40 bucks on that. It was plus 400. I don't know why I put it on twice. 
best animated short film, you know, I took a chance that they weren't going to give it to a rapist. But I was wrong. I put $20 on Lou because it was plus 300. The best documentary short, I won big on that one. So I put a little money on heroin because they were all saying at the end that was going to win. It was plus 225. But I had in the middle of um, last two weeks ago, I put on heaven is a traffic jam on the 405. It was plus 750. I put $20 on I won $150. I mean, the Oscars are beautiful. You just got to do a little research. It's not like a sports event where you never know what's going to happen. And, uh, oh, and I put 20 bucks on Get Out to win Best Picture just in case because it was plus 500 bucks. And I said, you know, because last week I was saying, what if? What if the Academy had a backbone and they actually picked the correct Best Picture, which should completely be Get Out? Again, we talked about this last week. One year ago. All the complaints, no black people, no it's too white, it's too white, it's too white. And one year later to the date, they have an unbelievable film by a black filmmaker about race and about comedy and a social statement and horror, brilliantly acted by another black person, and they just give it to the shape of water. Sea Serpent, stupid, stupid movie. A stupid, stupid film. And any of you have seen it, if you haven't seen it, I know you're going to agree with me. I know you're going to agree. There can't be anyone out there that's saying, like, you're wrong. It was amazing. Okay, it's good, but it's not best picture good. It's good in any other context, but not when you're talking about it rivaling Annie Hall, The Godfather, Raging Bull, Rocky, Forrest Gump, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you know, I mean, really, the list is endless of much better films than The Shape of Water. When something is sitting there, out there, that's completely different, interesting, time-worthy you know, my friend Lee has been so obsessed with it after I told him it's amazing that he's been looking up all this stuff that Jordan Peele has said, and there's so much symbolism and amazingness. I didn't know this. When he's, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I'm, there's a scene where he's like kind of, he's got this cotton and he's picking cotton and that's symbolism. And then there's this other scene where people are wearing red and it's supposed to represent that even the people that are, in you know that think they're liberal aren't liberal i mean there's all this symbolism in it and all this race symbolism and they and they give it to a movie where a woman sleeps with a fish i mean what the fuck my guess is that any people that are voting aren't seeing the movies and i know this because when i do vote for the saga wars when i'm not one dollar late on my dues you pricks i'm voting on movies i haven't seen so I'm pretty sure everybody's like me. Now this time, I'd seen most of the movies. I mean, I saw almost all 10 of them. Uh, and the best picture was Get Out. It's a fact. All right, we did this last week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, it just, I mean, listen, this is the podcast. The podcast is the forum for me to spew my beliefs to you. And, and hopefully you you feel similar or... Or you say, hey, yeah. Of course, there's nothing we can do about it. It's, it's, it's the uh, breakaway bottle scenario all over again. What can I do? I'm only one man. And a great man. The Night Fly with Dave Jeskow. How are you? Anyway, with Goodfellas, let me just go back for one second. I was so uptight that I thought I might not do the second part and just move on. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm done with movies. I don't even know what I would do anymore. And then I looked online. And saw a bunch of really good ones. Two of them, and don't get mad at me, two of them I've never seen. So I'm going to have to watch them in, in their entirety, but I know they would work. The Shawshank Redemption and Fight Club. I could do these, I bet, even though I know I've never seen them. It's weird. Although Fight Club, I've tried to watch a couple times and I'm just not interested. But Shawshank, I've never seen any of it. 
no piece of it. And everybody says it's the shit. So I got to believe it. You know, isn't it weird that I haven't seen it? Uh, But then I was thinking, you know, Rocky. And I was thinking, you know, I've been talking about doing Rocky, but, you know, I want to do a combination of the movie and the musical. Because that'd be hilarious, I think. Well, at least for me and Mateo, it would be. Probably nobody else. Full Metal Jacket. We do that first 45 minutes. It'd be perfect, right? Just do part one. Have Bichetti play Private Pile. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Scarface, obviously. That would work. Jaws. <laughs> Die Hard, because then I can play Alan Rickman again. Pulp Fiction's not a bad one. For some reason, I thought of The Sixth Sense would be funny. I've never seen Fargo. And Fargo seems like one, but that's kind of a comedy already, so I'm not so sure, I guess, right? I, can you believe I've never seen that? I'm embarrassing myself, I know. And then I thought of uh, Rain Man. <laughs> I mean, Rain Man, not, not for the dramas, but I mean, let's face it, that would be really funny. And then, like I said, I just want to do Arthur, but I have to play all the parts, me and Mateo. Mateo plays, plays Liza. And I just do all the parts. I don't know who would come to see it. I don't even think I can do it at the cellar. I think I have to do it in a smaller place. One man show pretty much. Just me and Mateo. Two man show technically. I mean I can do all the parts. I can do all the parts. I can do every. I can do the small ones. I can do Paul Gleason. He gets all that money. He uh, repays his family back by being a stinking drunk. But I wouldn't know. I'm just a servant. On the other hand, go screw yourself. But I got to say, in Goodfellas, I was really getting Henry down. I was really getting Henry down. At the, towards the end. At the beginning, I, I, it wasn't working. But towards the end, I was definitely getting Henry down. I was just like, Maury, what are you going to do? Jimmy wants his money. Come on. Let us just get the, give me the money and let's just get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I was hitting it. It was good. Karen, what did you want me to do? You seemed bored. You didn't want to do anything. Besides, it was Shabbat. We went over that part before. So sometimes I hit it. It wasn't bad. I mean, you know, you'll let me know what you think. We'll play it next week. That's what we'll do. We're going to play it next week. And uh, hope for the best, I guess. Right? I mean, what more can you do? We'll play it next week. You'll let me know. And then uh, we'll see. And it's uh, whatever. I'm going to listen. Like, so tomorrow I got to go to my nephew's in that's another stupid show, Once Upon a Matrix, which which uh, I know every song. It's so weird because I was singing it to him. I'm like, what do you mean the uh, one where you go, oh, a princess is a delicate thing, delicate and dainty like a dragonfly's wing. You can recognize a lady by her elegant He's like, how do you know all this? I'm like, because I'm a homosexual. So I got to leave work at four. I'm giving myself three and a half hours to get to New Jersey on a Friday. I I, I guarantee I just make it. What is it, 40 miles away? Three and a half hours I'm giving myself. I don't think I have any other plans. But um, I don't know. I need to do something else. Something I mean, I have these things every three months, but they can't they can't consume my life because I don't know, you know, I just gotta do other things, right? Something. But I'm just so glad it's over. You know, the the, the days after I just like kind of sit that's why, you know, I I was like, should I do the podcast? Should another person? I'm like, I just like need to kind of relax and power down a little bit because it's so, you know, anxious. So then uh, you know, that night I went upstairs afterwards, you know, I drank with my, my friend John Vitti and his friend Sean from the Boston Globe come. They both work at the Globe. And, um, you know, they, they take a 240 train home, so I always got to stay with them. But I don't mind. I mean, I, I enjoy it. Uh, so you'd think going home at 2 would be fine because when, that's when they leave. Um, but no, then I stay an extra hour for some God knows reason because I was with this guy, this guy, um, D'Lo, who comes to every show and he's great and awesome. It's so funny. I, I lost track of him for like three hours. And then when I got up, he was still there. And everybody thought my friend John Vitti from the Globe looked like Gnome. Like they, the whole bartender and the comics were all freaking out because they thought Gnome was gone. And they're like, oh my God, why is Gnome there? Why is he with Just Cow? 
And I was like, you guys are crazy because I've known John since college, so he doesn't look like known to me until Will Savent, uh took a picture that looked exactly like Gnome, and I'm like, oh, my God, I see it. And the funny part was, I'm like, you're being ridiculous, being ridiculous. I go to my friend Dilo, who's in the back. I'm like, hey, everybody thinks my friend looks like, uh, uh, look, I, I showed a picture. I'm like, you see who this guy looks like? He goes, oh, is that the guy that plays the mandolin during your performance? I'm like, oh, my God, you see it too? It was so funny. People were freaking out. They were freaking out. It was so funny. But I don't know what happened to Gnome. I never heard from him again. I didn't want to bother him because they're opening that Vegas club. I think I'm going to go there. So I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go because my friend Steve uh, Fabricant, who, you know, I went to the Hall & Oates and Tom Petty with, and he's the manager at the cellar. Uh, you know, he's the outsource. They call him out, outside Steve because uh, Liz is the indoor Steve. <laughs> um, he's going to go there for three months and kind of work the new Vegas room, which is at the Rio Hotel, which is opening April 5th. So I don't know. You know, maybe I'll go out and hang out. Mark Cohen is the house MC. He's hilarious. I've known him so long, and I, it just sounds kind of like a blast. Uh, meanwhile, Attell's going to be out there in October, so I think I'm definitely going to at least go out then, but I have, like, an airfare that I have to use up soon because I was supposed to go to Orlando, and then I opened for Sarah last April, and I think you have to use it in a year, so i got to go somewhere, but, you know, I hate traveling. And why wouldn't I? Because people suck. It's like going to the movies, you know? Like, there's just gross people around and people that don't respect other people. So people on airplanes, they're, they're gross, they don't shower, they're wearing shorts or whatever, and they're just disgusting, and they, they're always sickly and gross. So flying just is, uh, you know, if you're flying coach, flying first class, you're doing all right for yourself. Hey, someday, right? Hey, hey, that's going to work out okay, right? So anyway, I think next week, um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to say, but I don't, I can't, I can't think, you know. So by the time this comes out, the NCAA um, pools will be getting going. We'll know who's in the tournament. And, uh, you know, like we don't really talk much sports anymore. So I don't really care about that. Uh, so I'll, I'll play Goodfellas next week. And then, um, you know, we'll get some interesting guests in here on the way and, and just go, uh, you know, the way we were doing it in California. Plus, I, I got a story for you. You know, my, my, my manager, Vanessa Barrios, who is no longer my manager, everybody. She turned out to be, uh, and I'll tell you the whole story because I don't give a shit. She turned out to be one crazy, sick, big, fat, sociopath liar. It's real fucked up. I'm not going to get into it now because I, 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 I think I need to spend an entire podcast and tell you everything. And I don't mind talking about it because it's, it's messed up. And anybody I can help uh, that's in her path needs to know. That's how bad it is. I had to call up comedy clubs and let them know. I, can you believe it? When I sat here and I was like, Vanessa's great. Vanessa's this. It was all a lie. Yeah, I know. I know. So, I don't know. You know, we got a lot to discuss over the next coming weeks. And um, I guess that's what we're going to do. Oh, what this long again? Oh, good. Because I wanted to use the auto tuner again. You want to say what you want to do? How would you say? I'm making up the words now, but I could use the other ones. Did a shake like LaGuardia, the magic mouth in the sun. I want to say like LaGuardia. I mean, what is that? Wait, let me try it again. Where I'm going to sing the lyrics myself. I'm having a good time with the auto tuner. Shake like LaGuardia, the magic mouth in the sun. The train ride to the courtyard, oh, before you can run. I want to sing like LaGuardia, the magic mouth in the sun. The train ride to the courtyard, oh, before you can run. I want to sing like LaGuardia, the when no one takes a walk Someone's light and dance your feet And someone's getting off Oh, just give me some slack, yeah! <laughs> Why that song? Where'd that come from? I don't know. I remembered it. 
Yeah, I just remembered that. I don't know why. It just was in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like that. I was looking for something uplifting today to play. I mean, let's face it. Hey, listen. Guy makes good songs, right? I mean, it's okay. He writes good music. But those lyrics. Man, he's just like writing them. He's like, oh, my God, I just came up with brilliance. I mean, these lyrics are horrible. Just the rooftop strung with fraulines. The pestle pin, the odor mustard cracks. And 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 Paulina Poroskova, who was like, it was just so ridiculous. I was like, oh my god, Rick, your lyrics. I I, I just want to pull down your pants. Oh, oh, give me that cock. That's what it should be called. Give me that cock of yours. That was one of my old jokes. I think I was doing. Uh, oh, I remember what it was. It was. Um, Marsha Brady and Greg Brady and uh, yeah, was, what was it? Just something uh, like they're like, hey Marsha you gotta get out of my room, I need it and she's like, no, you you get, this is my room and then they were just like, oh give me that cock big laughs, big laughs back in the day, back in the day I don't know why, I was doing the best I could back then, like I'm doing the best I can now, the Nightfly with Dave Jelskow everybody Well, I hope everybody had a good time this week. That's our show for this week. Next week, we will show you Goodfellas. The production, done March 6th at the Village Underground. So I will see you live in two weeks. And until then, have a wonderful March, a wonderful St. Patrick's Day, and we'll see everybody next time on The Nightfly with me, Dave Jessica. Good night, everybody.